As we continue in worship, uh, I'd like us to now turn our attention to Ruth chapter 2. And uh, we'll be reading um, a few verses, uh, verses 1 to 3, and then we'll skip down to verse 8, and we'll go into verse 16. So Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, and 8 to 16. And this is the reading of God's holy word. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Verse 8, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessel and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here, and eat some bread, and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was filled, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean, even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also, and also, pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer at this time? Would you speak, O Lord, to us this morning? Speak your everlasting words, words of truth words of light, words of love. Would you, get, would you once again speak as your church is built and until this world, this earth, becomes filled with the knowledge of God? Speak to us this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 
Uh, today, I'd like to return to Ruth chapter 2 and just look at one very important theme that we find here. And that is the theme of God's faithfulness. You see, Ruth is essentially a story about an insignificant family trying to survive in the aftermath of foolish decisions. Yet, in the end, we find God's faithfulness prevailing through the work of a Redeemer. You know, some literary critics have called Ruth the best short story ever written. But if you think about it, you know, this so-called best short story ever written is a lot like our own stories. Insignificant people trying to maneuver through our own mistakes, trying not to stumble over our bad decisions. Yet when we look back at our lives, we find God's faithfulness having the final say. God's faithfulness prevailing over all the sin and all the brokenness in our lives. Now, this morning, let me just share with you three elements of God's faithfulness. Three elements of God's faithfulness in the text today in hopes that you would then be able to see more clearly this same God and His same faithfulness in your own life. So, three elements. The first is this. God's faithfulness is often unexpected. The first element is God's faithfulness is often unexpected. If you look at verse 3, um, you know, Ruth, she, uh, this is how it reads. She sets, she sets out and she goes to glean in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Now, we find that Ruth, she has no intention of meeting God's faithfulness, right? Ruth doesn't begin her day wondering, hmm, how can I initiate God's goodness in my life today? No, her plan is simple. Her plan is to get up, Get on the welfare line, collect enough food, and um, collect enough food um, so that her and her mother-in-law could survive another day. And being that she is a single woman, she wants to not be taken advantage of. Um, Very simple tasks um, and nothing so ambitious. Um, I think I need to call a quick timeout. There's something that went wrong. Hold on a sec. Okay. Uh, all right. Now we're back in. I, I apologize. Something went, uh, something happened to, uh, the screen. So again, we, we come back to Ruth. Um, you know, she has no ambitious plans. She's not beginning the day thinking, oh, how can God's faithfulness be upon me? Right? She just, her basic instinct is to survive. But we find in verse 3, it says, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. You see, God in his sovereignty, what he does is he orchestrates the events and the actions of Ruth's life so that she would 
happened to come to the field belonging to Boaz. And of course, this orchestrating, this work of God was unannounced, it was unforeseen, it was unexpected. See, friends, this is an element of God's faithfulness I think we have to understand. God's faithfulness always works in this way. See, God's faithfulness is something that is so hard to see in the present. But when you look back, when it's retrospective, that's when you can actually start to see it. See, what we chalk up to happenstance and coincidence in the present becomes God's faithfulness and His leading when we look back at it. See, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when we often speak of God's faithfulness, it's often in the past tense. Have you noticed that? Rarely do we profess, God is faithful today. Why? Because we have difficulty seeing it. But when you look back, when you consider all the things that happened, when you think about all the events that occurred, when you think about the people that you've met in your life, and when you have the full picture, that's when the words naturally flow. That's when it hits you. Oh, God was faithful. Uh, A Puritan preacher once said this, God's faithfulness can only be read backwards. See, church... It's most likely the case that we are not going to see God's faithfulness during COVID until after COVID. Friends, you are not going to see God's faithfulness today until after today has passed. And you definitely won't see the extent of God's steadfast love and His pursuit over you throughout the entirety of your life. Until that day, until that day when you're on your deathbed and you look back at the decades that you've lived that felt like a blink of an eye. And on that day when you see the full picture, when you can look back at everything, that's when you'll see it more clearly than ever. That God was faithful. Friends, I want you to be encouraged this morning. That while God's fingerprints might be hidden today, tomorrow they will become unavoidable pillars that stand like monuments in your life declaring that God is good and His faithfulness endures forever. So yes, in the present, God's faithfulness is difficult to see. But when we look back, And when we see the way in which God orchestrates events, the people that He allows us to meet, the people that He brings into our lives, the decisions that He causes us to make, when we consider all of these things, when we see the full picture, that's when we can see that God was faithful. So that's the first element. The second element of God's faithfulness is that God's faithfulness is often dispensed through human agency. And in Ruth's story, we find that God's faithfulness is displayed through a man named Boaz. Now, today, I want to spend some time just carefully looking at Boaz, who he is and what he does. 
And while we do that, I, I want you to think about just two things, okay? First, I want you to first consider the ways God has been faithful to you through people like Boaz. Okay, so first I want you to think, who were the Boazes in your life? Okay, the second thing I want you to think about is, consider how you can be like Boaz. Consider how you can be an instrument of God's faithfulness unto other people. Okay, so I want you to think about these two things as we explore who Boaz is and the things that he did. Now, just as an aside, you know, especially the men of our church, um, you know, I'm asking you, please, you know, consider carefully. Uh, I know that uh, much is made of men like David and Paul in the Bible, but I think Boaz is an amazing example of how men, we are called to be vehicles of God's faithfulness unto others, especially to the women in our lives. Okay, So if you are a man, uh, please think more intentionally about Boaz. And um, also, if you, also for our women, as you also consider how you can be instruments of God's faithfulness to others, um, think about also the men in your lives. Right? Think about the men in your lives. Have you surrounded yourselves uh, with Boazes? People who look like Boaz, people who are like Boaz. And further, if you're a single woman, you know, potentially looking for a partner, uh, you know, Boaz is the kind of person that you should seek out. Okay. Now, uh, being that Ruth is a bit of a love story, I think it's okay to uh, glean lessons on relationships. Okay. So we'll we'll get into Boaz now. So think about these things. So first, who is Boaz? Well, first we see that uh, Boaz is a kind and compassionate man. Right. We find the story opens up with Boaz as a good. Torah-keeping Jew, right? He's keeping the gleaning laws. Now, if you recall from last week, the gleaning laws stated that people who owned land, they were not to harvest all the way to the edges so that the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized could then come and gather up what was left over. So the gleaning law was the social welfare system of the time. Now, just because this was a law didn't mean that everyone followed it, right? In the same way, we have traffic laws and tax laws that people evade, right? See, we find that Boaz, as he's keeping the gleaning laws, he is someone who understood the heart, the intention behind these laws. We find that Boaz is a man who is compassionate, who is kind, who is God-fearing who keeps these laws with delight and joy. I mean, you can tell, right, by the amount of foot traffic that is at his field, that Boaz was known to be this kind of person. He had a reputation of being caring for the poor, compassionate to the vulnerable. See, Boaz doesn't cut corners. He isn't charitable because he has to be. When he sees the poor and the marginalized picking up food that he harvested, he doesn't shoo them away. Instead, he invites them to come. Boaz is a man who cares about the poor. 
You know, men, caring for the poor is not a weak attribute. Caring for the poor does not make you weak. In fact, I would go as far as to say that what enables boys to mature into men is compassion. And for the women, you know, I think this is this is a great way to gauge a man. If if there is a a man that you are interested in, that you are pursuing, that you're in relationship with, I think it's a good question to ask. Does this individual care more about his toys or more about the poor? If Boaz was a man who cares for the poor. He is kind, he is compassionate to those in need. Second, I want you to notice how Boaz takes responsibility, how he takes responsibility to protect Ruth. You see, Ruth is just a sojourner. And even though Boaz does everything that he is legally called to do by letting her glean in his fields, Boaz takes it a step further. See, Boaz sees that she's vulnerable. And so what does he do? He doesn't take advantage of her, but he takes responsibility of her. See, Boaz goes from allowing her to glean in his field. He moves from there to responsibility. He moves to protect her. He goes and he tells his workers, don't touch Ruth. In fact, he tells them, why don't you pull out some wheat, pull out some sheaves, and just leave it there. Pretend like it just fell. So that when Ruth passes by, she can just pick it up. Further, he tells Ruth, hey, don't go to the next field. You know, most of the time, the poor, they would just glean, and they would move on to the next field because there really isn't much that was left. But Boaz says, no, there's plenty here to glean. He says, be sustained by my land. You know, friends, we find in Boaz's case that that being instruments of God's faithfulness often entails taking on responsibility. To be an instrument of God's faithfulness means that you take on responsibility of others. You know, often I find that when it comes to, you know, volunteer work or just service in the church, ways to help and aid, I find that most of the time people are willing to help, but rarely is anyone willing to take responsibility. And, and I'm speaking more to the men here. You know, we say things like, you know, there's just too much on my plate. Work is crazy now. You know, I don't even have enough time for myself. Man, I think we can admit it, that we are really good at skirting responsibility. But please remember that we become vehicles of God's faithfulness unto others when we become responsible for others. You see, when we take that extra step 
And we take that step and say, you know what? I will be responsible for you. I will take on responsibility. That is when we find that often God's faithfulness is displayed. Again, just on a side note, you know, if the only responsibilities that you bear in your life right now are obligatory, if the only responsibilities that you have are work or school related, or even family related, I suggest, please think about how you can consider giving up more of yourself for others. Think about how you can take up being responsible for others so that God can show his faithfulness through you. You know, the third thing that we find that Boaz uh, is or does is that Boaz is someone who understands stewardship. When Ruth asks Boaz, why are you being so kind to me? Right? When, when Ruth says, I don't deserve this, why are you doing this? This is what Boaz says in verse 13. He says this, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You know, the funny thing is, this is Boaz's field. And it, Boaz is the one taking responsible action to protect Ruth and to, and to sustain her. It's Boaz's field and Boaz is the one stepping up. But what does he say? He says, it's the Lord. The Lord is being good to you. Boaz is a man who understands that what he has isn't his and what he gives isn't his. Boaz is a man who understands that both belong to the Lord. You know, there are some people who make it abundantly clear that they are instruments of God's faithfulness. And others, they make it clear that God is being faithful. And they are just extras in the background. You know, as I look back, you know, I see that they, there were a number of Boazes in my own life. People who helped me at pivotal moments, when in moments of neediness and desperation, there were people who came, whom God has sent into my life. People through whom I've experienced God's faithfulness. Now, some of these people made sure that I knew God was being faithful through them. And others, others made sure that I simply knew that it was God who was being faithful. To the latter, to those who just said, you know what, it's God. You know, I would meet them from time to time. And of course, with thankfulness i would always recall these incidents these specific incidents in which they were just so helpful to me in my time of need i would recall these incidents and thank them and you know sometimes these people wouldn't even remember they would have this vague memory they would say oh yeah i think i did that and then they would just simply say you know that was the lord's doing you know, Boaz is a man who understood stewardship. 
that even though he was the instrument, the vehicle through which God was showing his faithfulness to Ruth, to Boaz, it was the Lord. It was the Lord. He made it abundantly clear to Ruth that it was God being faithful to her. He took himself completely out of it. So this is what we find, God's faithfulness. First, God's faithfulness uh, is often unexpected. Second, God's faithfulness is often dispensed through human agency. And the third and final element of God's faithfulness is this. Uh, God's faithfulness is redemptive in nature. We find that Ruth's sole mission in life is survival. Right? Ruth is a female, she's an immigrant, she's a widow, and she's poor. Ruth is just looking to pick up the leftovers from the harvest and to leave. She wants to be in and out because the longer she's out there on her own, the higher the chance that something terrible is going to happen to her. So, Ruth's goal was survival. But when we get into the story, we find that God's plan, his plan was redemption. I want you to look with me at verse 14. This is what it says. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. Once again, I think we have to slow down because this is an important point. Once again, Ruth is a female in the ancient Near Eastern world. She's a widow. She's a foreigner. Ruth has no place at the table. But what does Boaz do? Boaz treats her. And he looks upon her, not according to her social standing, not according to her background, not according to her mistakes and her misfortunes. No, Boaz looks upon Ruth as a person who bears the image of God. And Boaz treats Ruth with dignity, with equality, with value. Look at what's going on. He invites Ruth to actually sit down. He invites her to sit down. He is the master of the field and he invites her to the table to sit down with his reapers, with his workers. And he doesn't call her over to pick up what was left over. He doesn't call her over to say, you know what? Why don't you wait on us men? Why don't you serve us now? No, what does he do? He invites her to sit, to dine, to eat what they are eating. And he gives her more than just bread. He gives her wine. The ultimate sign, symbol of abundance. See, this, I think, is Boaz's strongest traits. It's the most admirable trait. It's the, most, it's the trait that we ought most to pursue. You see, Boaz... He's able to see as God sees. He treats Ruth as God would treat her. 
I mean, notice what he calls her. He doesn't say, hey, lady, hey, woman, missus. No, he calls her daughter. I mean, can you imagine the dignity, the love, the security, and the protection, the value that she must have felt when she heard those words? Right here she is, Ruth. She's on the welfare line, trying not to be noticed. Her goal is to get in and out. And the worthy man of the field calls her daughter. You know, for Ruth, it's been over 10 years since a male called her by that. It's been over 10 years since a male figure in her life called her daughter. And when she heard those words, her heart must have melted. You see, Boaz saw Ruth as God saw her. He had the father's heart. He saw Ruth as a person made in the image of God. He saw her as a daughter of God. And that, for Ruth, was the beginning of her restoration process. I mean, just think about all the brokenness in our life now. Slowly starting to be restored. Think about all the broken pieces in our life now starting to be picked up one by one because of Boaz. Her worthless life being redeemed through Boaz. Surely, God was and is faithful. See, Ruth was looking to survive, but God was seeking to redeem. So, in summary, the three points that we looked at, we find that God's faithfulness is, yes, it's unexpected, it's retrospective. God's faithfulness is something that we have difficulty seeing now in the present. God's faithfulness is something that we can read only backwards. And so, friends, please be encouraged that even though you cannot see God's faithfulness today, you will see God's faithfulness today, tomorrow. The second element of God's faithfulness is that it's often displayed through others. It's through human agency, through people in our lives. The third element is God's faithfulness. The goal of his faithfulness is nothing short of redemption. God pursues us lovingly so that we can be fully restored, so that we can be healed, so that we can be made new, so that we can be restored. Now, at this point, I think I need to mention who, um, who all of this points to. Okay. Uh, because men, if... Right now, you feel crushed by the great example of Boaz. If you feel crushed because Boaz, you know, he he set this great example. You know, I feel you. I understand you. And for the women who are thinking, you know, where is my Boaz? Where is the Boaz in my life? You know, I feel you too. Right? In the past, I thought uh, Ildris Alba was dreamy. But gosh, I mean, he's got nothing on Boaz, right? 
Boaz is this amazing, amazing man. Now, I don't want all of us to leave feeling defeated as if, you know what, the bar is just set so high and, you know, we can just give up on being Boaz or looking for Boaz because, because the Bible tells us there is one greater than Boaz and he is someone who we all can meet. He is someone who is accessible to all of us. He is someone that we all can encounter in the present. And that greater Boaz is Jesus Christ. If you think about it, Jesus is our protector. Jesus is the one who voluntarily lays down his life to adopt us into his family. Jesus is the only one who took responsibility for our souls. He's the only one who saw us in our peril and said, you know what, I will step up. Jesus is the perfect law keeper. Jesus is our great restorer. Jesus is kind and compassionate towards us, the needy. Jesus is the redeemer of our brokenness. Jesus, our Boaz, is the one who calls us daughter, son, brother, sister. You know, Jesus parallels Boaz so much that, you know, during Jesus' earthly ministry, the person that Jesus calls out to daughter is the woman in Matthew 9, the woman who had this discharge of blood for 12 years, a woman who was unclean, a woman who was neglected, a woman who was marginalized, a woman who was poor, a woman who was racked in pain. Jesus looks upon her and he calls her daughter. See, Jesus is our Boaz because he looks at us not according to how the world looks at us, But Jesus, with the Father's heart, he sees us as God sees us. Jesus is the one who truly calls us friend. Jesus is our Boaz in that he took up our mistakes. He took up our infirmities. Jesus took up our brokenness. And he bears our sin and our scorn. As he hangs upon that cross, and like Naomi, like Ruth, Jesus tastes death. He experiences the sting of death. All to rise in power, glory, and might in his resurrection. And now, Jesus, our Boaz, has invited you and I to his table. So that we may eat. So that we may be restored. So that we may be redeemed. Friends, Jesus is the perfect manifestation of God's faithfulness in our lives. And sometimes, while sometimes we fail to see God's faithfulness in the present, friends, would you look back at this time? Can you look back and see how faithful God has been to you. Can you look back and see His faithfulness, even in moments you thought were desperate, difficult, and desolate? Can you look back 
And can you see now God's faithfulness to us in Jesus? That no matter how far we've strayed or how sinful we've become, how broken and bruised our lives have become, that God has been and will be faithful to us because of Jesus. Friends, Jesus is our greater Boaz, the one who lays down his life for us, the one who takes responsibility for us, the one who picks up the broken pieces in our lives, the one who redeems us. You know, before we close, um, I, I just want to speak on a practical note, just on the importance of human relationships. You know, the second point was that God's faithfulness is often displayed through human agency, right? God's faithfulness is shown and dispensed through other people in our lives. And, and I want to go through this because I don't think we've really understood the gravity of this, the importance of this. Right. As we look at Ruth 2 and the entire Bible, as we see God showing his faithfulness through other people, right, you know, this means that, that the people that God has placed in your life now are the means through which God will show his faithfulness to you. Right. Either you will be the recipient of it, right? either God will show his faithfulness to you through other people, or you'll be that individual. You'll be someone who gives it. You'll be someone who's the instrument of God's faithfulness to others. So when you're like Ruth, when you're down and about, struggling through life, it's the people in your life that will be called to be a Boaz unto you, and vice versa. There will be moments when you will be called to be agents of God's faithfulness unto other people. Now, I think I can speak for all of us when I say that, you know, quite often we undervalue this. We undervalue so much the ways in which God can use relationships and community to show his faithfulness. We underappreciate the people that God has placed in our lives. We undervalue what God can do through us. You know, on a practical note, you know, friends, church, if this has compelled you in any way, would you consider at this time how you can go and be like Boaz, how you can go and be like Christ unto others? If this has compelled you in any way, would you go and be ambassadors of Jesus to those in need? Will you be peacemakers? Will you carry around with you the fragrance of Christ? Will you go bearing the truth of Christ to others? Will you go seeking to be instruments of God's faithfulness to other people? who are desperate, who are needy, who are in troubled times? Will you be that respite? Will you be that cup of cold water on a hot day to those in need? And when you do so, 
Can you simply say, it's the Lord. It's the Lord be good to you. Would you join me in prayer at this time?